We will be reading this morning verses 25 through 30. 25 through 30. This is God's holy inspired word. Please give it your full attention. He then stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals, with harps and with lyres, according to the command of David and of Gad, the king's seer, and of Nathan, the prophet. For the command was from the Lord through his prophets. The Levites stood with the musical instruments of David and the priests with the trumpets. Then Hezekiah gave the order to offer the burnt offering on the altar. When the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord also began with the trumpets, accompanied by the instruments of David, king of Israel. While the whole assembly worshipped, the singers also sang, and the trumpets sounded. All this continued until the burnt offering was finished. Now, at the completion of the burnt offerings... The king and all who were present with him bowed down and worshipped. Moreover, King Hezekiah and the officials ordered the Levites to sing praises to the Lord with the words of David and Asaph the seer. So they sang praises with joy and bowed down and worshipped. Let's go to one more verse in in the New Testament, Hebrews 13.15. Hebrews 13, 15. Once again, this is God's holy inspired word. Please give it your full attention. Through him then, let us continue to offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of our lips that give thanks to his name. Let us pray. Gracious Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come to you now and we ask that you would bless the preaching of your word, that you would bless it both from the speaker, that you would use, Lord, me for your glory and for your honor, that I would decrease, that you may increase, Lord, and for the hearer, your people, that they, Lord, would have ears to hear, minds that understand, eyes that see, hearts that believe, hands and feet that obey. Give us grace, Lord, now, Lord, as we come to your word, to receive your word with gladness and joy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please, dear saints, be seated. Well, I greet you again, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I welcome you on this Lord's Day, Sabbath, as we continue our short series, which will end at the end of this month. We'll return at the end of this month to Revelation and to Christology. On liturgy, uh, last Lord's Day we considered singing in worship. Singing in worship. We in worship. We learned that we sing not because it is our preference, not because it is our tradition, but rather singing is a part of our nature. As image bearers of God, we have been uniquely created to offer songs that give God glory and praise. Singing is not just a part of our nature. We learn that singing is also a command from God. We have been commanded to sing. God has commanded His image bearers, you and I, to offer worship in the manner that He has prescribed. One of the ways that God has prescribed that we worship Him is by song. When we sing, we sing because God has commanded, and we sing with one voice. Uh, We have, as you heard even clearer this morning, some low voices, some high voices, some mid-range voices. And when we sing as one voice, we are one voice that is a symphony with all of our different voices, a symphony of praise to our God. Our voices are the symphony. We are the notes, if you will, on the piano or the organ making melody from our hearts. Our song is also instructive. There is, as we learned last week, a didactic nature to singing, wherein as we sing, we are not just enjoying the song, but we are also being instructed as we sing. We are learning as we sing. We have been created to sing. We are commanded to sing. We are instructed when we sing. And in glory, when we are present with God, our triune God in heaven, one of the ways in which we will worship God will be in song. It will be uh, the telos of who we are, the people of God. We shall sing to our God 
In Revelation, there's uh, given insight into the happenings of heaven. One of the joys of heaven will be song. We love songs. Song offered to God in worship. We should long to sing. Uh, we should desire to sing. Well, myself and Brother Isaac, who, if you don't know, is a fantastic musician. Uh, plays drums, should, could do it professionally, but he has chosen to offer his life to God because he knows that that path would take him away from the church. We said to one another, we ought to be mindful of, of what songs do to us. We all have our favorite songs, don't we? We all have that song that when we hear it, we go, oh, that's my song. We love certain songs. And we love them for most likely not God-glorifying reasons. Some of us could start to name our favorite musicians. And there's nothing wrong with you enjoying music. But how much more so when we hear holy, 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 give to our God immortal praise, should our hearts well up with joy and say, that's my song. Uh, let me sing with the same enthusiasm that I would sing for a secular song that does not give glory to God. Let me sing with even more enthusiasm the songs that give praise and glory to God. Why? Because that's why you were created. You were made for that reason. You were made to sing. It's in your nature. That's why you love it. You are commanded to sing. And when you sing, in this setting, our songs should be songs that that don't talk about, uh, let, let me go, let me not go there, songs that give God glory. I can go in a hundred different directions with that, what I was just about to say, but not necessary. Now today, after last week's sermon, I, I kind of had a sidebar with Pastor Isaiah and said, there seems to be a necessary next step that we need to take. And he says, yeah. <laughs> that's, all, that's all he said, yeah. The necessary step forward was obvious today, wasn't it? From this doctrine of singing in the local church, we, we must also consider whether or not, we, we know that we're supposed to sing, now we must consider whether or not instruments must be a part of our song. Well, we said we don't have instruments here, but the people who are singing that we usually sing the soundtrack to, there is an instrument there. So we, we don't technically have them here, but they're on the, the soundtrack. So this morning... Uh, we are going to, I am going to, with God's help, present a more um, argumentative sermon. It, it will be more of a presentation in in uh, it against something, rather than your normal, typical Lord's Day sermon that I would normally preach. In my former tradition, as you all know, no surprise, uh, worship and song was, and probably in your tradition as well, most likely, most often, accompanied by instruments. Uh, some of the instruments that I can remember, drums, bass, electric guitar, acoustic guitar, piano, keyboard, uh, even at one time, a violin and a djembe. Congas, tambourines, bongos, all of these have been used in my experience of offering song to God. Not all used at the same time, but they're all used at one point or another. In my former tradition... Uh, there were singers. They were uh, usually one lead singer or two lead singers, normally a drummer, bass player, and then background vocalists. They would either be a trio or a quartet. Everyone involved in the playing of instruments or in the singing was a part of what is called the worship team. You've heard that before. The worship team. The leaders of the singing, the lead singers, were called the worship leaders. So, there's the worship team, and then there's the worship leader. We talked about who's the worship leader last week, right? God is our worship leader. God leads us in our worship, not any man. God leads us, right? All of us are familiar with, with the practice of lead uh, and then team. Some of us might even be very fond of it as well. Not only familiar with it, but fond of it. Uh, maybe even missing it, wishing that we had it here. 
a great number of people who call themselves Christians will actually attend and even become a member of a church solely based on song. And, and let me say this way, type of song. With the instruments, the special specialty singers that I've mentioned. If that's not there, uh, some people don't think that they are ready to, to plant a church, nor are they ready to be a part of a church. What's the what's what's what type of music do you got? Contemporary? Is it traditional? When I first began this liturgy, when we, me and Pastor Isaiah first began this series on liturgy, Pastor Isaiah I think laid the perfect foundation by the grace of God, in that all that we offer to God has been regulated by God and not us. We believe that God tells us how we must worship. We don't get to decide how we will worship. God tells us how we worship Him. God tells him us what He wants of us in worship. And we don't have the authority to add to or take away from what God has given, both for His glory and for our good. This is important. Because time and time again in the Scriptures, God makes it clear that God is not indifferent to how we worship Him. We cannot make the case God doesn't care. Because all throughout the Scriptures, God obviously does care. All throughout the Scriptures, God tells us, His people, what, when, and how to offer worship. When it comes to the Church of Christ, we must not ask What may we do? Rather, we are to ask, what must we do? This is God's church. How must we worship Him? Therefore, as we move forward this morning, I would ask you, very kindly, to set aside all of your traditions. I'm a casual guitar player. If you know anything about my my background... I used to so-called lead in guitar and song. Uh, it's heavily a part of my tradition. Let me emphasize the H in heavily. Heavily a part of my tradition. I did not grow up a Reformed Baptist. But I'm going to have to, I have had to, say, I will either hold tightly to my tradition or I will hold fast to God's Word. Because one of them will be lasting and the other one will be not. One one of them will glorify God and the other will not. We also must set aside our preferences. I just like it better. Worship is not about what we want. It's about what God wants. We must together submit ourselves to God and His Word. Our greatest desire when we gather for worship, and remember all of what we do is worship must be that the name of God is hallowed. That that is our desire. Uh, Hallowed be your name, dear God. And we must desire that above all, we will give glory to Him and offer to Him all that He has commanded to us and nothing more and nothing less. This morning, a very challenging question for some, not all, for some will be asked. And God willing, He will answer the question. The question, what, if any, is there any place for instruments in the New Covenant Church? That is us now. What, if any, is there any place? What, if any, place is there for instruments in the New Covenant? Are instruments justifiable for the New Covenant Church? Are they just, can you justify using instruments in the New Covenant Church? Here's another way we might say it. Is it God's will and command that instrumental music be used in corporate worship? Is it God's will and command? If it's His will, it's His command. That instrumental music be used in His worship. I'm going to argue in the negative. The answer. Uh, I'm going to argue in the no. There is no place for musical instruments in the New Covenant. They are not God's will and they are not justifiable. Nor are they to be used in corporate worship. Now, not based upon my opinion, we obviously must go to God's Word in order to justify this, to make this case. 
In some ways, this sermon at the outset may seem controversial. Let me say to you this. When we examine the scriptures, where we must always begin, and when we examine the history of the church, we will see there has been no controversy on this issue up until very recently. Let's consider three points together. Number one, the purpose and use of instruments in the Old Testament. Number one, the purpose and use of instruments in the Old Testament. Let's go back to our opening verse, Second Chronicles. I'm going to move intentionally a little bit slower. Second Chronicles chapter 29. Verse 25, he then stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals, with harps, with lyres, according to the command of David and of Gad the king's seer and of Nathan the prophet. Listen to this, for the command was from the Lord through his prophets. Most people, when this subject of instruments being prescribed by God uh, for the New Covenant Church, most people immediately in making a defense for instruments being used will, will automatically say, well, well, what about the what about the songs? We met with a business partner uh, this past Friday, and when I told him what I was going to preach, he kind of gave me a head turn and, and squinty eyes, and, and I said, what, what are you thinking? Say it. Say it out loud. Say it now. And he said, but, but, but don't we find in the book of Psalms a, a number of references to, to, to the use of instruments? And I said, aha, good. And my aha was, that's what I said too. Talking to uh, our, our deacon candidate, Scott, very quickly this morning as he walked out. Scott didn't turn to the left head, but he turned to the right, and, and I, he said, and I said, say it, Scott, what are you thinking? He goes, I said, what would be your first argument? He says, the songs, the so- good. So out of the mouth of three, then, we, we, we are all agreeing that that's where we would normally go. The, psalm does, the psalmist do indeed say, Psalm 150, praise him with the trumpet, praise him with the harp and lyre, praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with string instruments and pipe. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. He most assuredly does prescribe instruments. So then how are we able to make this argument no instruments? When it's obvious that instruments were used, listen to this, in the Old Testament. Well, here's a good practice. Whenever you see something being done, especially obviously in Scripture, you must ask yourself, why are they there? What's the purpose of them? When we read of instruments in the Old Testament, we must ask ourselves, what was the purpose of the, of the instruments there? Uh, were the Old Testament saints, with all of their instruments, just having a jam session? Like the modern church? Or were they something comparable to, to Hillsong or Elevation music and all that kind of stuff? Were they, were they, is that what they were doing? When we, when we begin to build a case for, when, whenever we say in favor of instruments, isn't it interesting that we most often go to the Old Testament? That whenever we, we immediately say, Okay, here's my defense of why instruments should be used. We immediately go to the Old Testament, and we, I don't think, ever reference the New Testament. Now, that is not to say that the Old Testament is not significant, or that, or that the Old Testament is insignificant. No, not at all. But the Old Testament was our teacher. The Old Testament is our instructor that is meant and intended to lead us to Christ, who is, listen to this, the fulfillment of all that the Old Testament has promised and foreshadowed. So let's begin to build our case. Since I'm uh, building a case in the negative this morning. From Adam to Jacob, we find no scriptural reference 
to the use of instruments in the offering of worship to God. From Adam to Jacob. That's a long period of time. Not once in Scripture do we see instruments being used in the offering of worship to God. Now someone might say, that's a silly statement. They didn't exist yet. The first musical instruments were invented before the flood by Jubal and his family. Jubal is uh, in the line of Cain. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 20. Adah gave birth to Jabal. Jabal. He was the father of all those who live in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and the pipe. Secularists say as early as 60,000 years ago, the so-called Neanderthal would play the pipe. Even the secularists, even the, the non-believers believe that, that instruments have been around for thousands of years in their estimation. We would say not thousands and thousands of years, obviously. Instruments existed very early in human history. But up until the time of Moses, we find no scriptural record of God commanding the use of instruments in the worship of any Old Testament saints until Moses. Using instruments was not offered or part of worship to God. Now, someone may say, well, just because it's not mentioned doesn't mean it's not there. Well, we have already made the point God is not indifferent to the way that people worship Him. God cares about the way that we worship Him. So this command or this point of silence is a deafening point. There is no reverence because there is no command. Not Adam, Abel, Seth, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob make any reference to the instruments being used in worship to God. Now, someone who is a good biblical scholar, uh, and I've done the book of Genesis, so my mind immediately remembered something in Genesis chapter 31, when Laban mentions instruments. Laban, as you remember, is Jacob's uh, wicked father-in-law, the one who deceived Jacob. When Jacob fled and left Laban's home, Laban tracks him down in Genesis chapter 31 verse 27 and says to him, Why did you flee secretly and deceive me and did not tell me so that I might have sent you away, listen to how he says, with joy and with songs, with timbrel and with lyre. The only time between Genesis 4 and then 31 that we see the mention of instruments, but it was not instruments to be used in corporate worship. It was instruments that were, that were used kind of, kind of as a sending off of his children. But not in the offering of worship to God. Now, when we come to the uh, Mosaic Law and Moses, we find the first prescription of instruments in the offering of worship to God. But the use of instruments is for a very specific reason. This is found in Numbers chapter 10 if you're, if you're wanting to know. And I'd like you to listen intently to the purpose of the instruments. Numbers chapter 10 and verse 1. Numbers 10 and verse 1. The Lord spoke further to Moses saying, Make yourself two instruments of silver, of hammered work you shall make them. And you shall use them for summoning the congregation and having the camps set out. When they are blown, here's the use of the instruments, when they are blown, all the congregation shall gather together, gather themselves uh, to you at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Here's one, one, one purpose for the instruments. Let me also say, instruments are fashioned, and then God tells the people how to use them. God is not indifferent to how instruments are to be used. They are to be used for the calling of the assembly. The calling of the assembly to do what? To come and to worship. It's a call to worship from the horn. But also, when camps are setting out for a journey. In verse 8 of chapter 10 of Numbers, God appoints the people who are to play these trumpets. Not just anyone. They are to be the sons of Aaron. 
They were to be those who were to serve in the priesthood of God. They were the Aaronic priests. So God tells the people the instrument, the use of the instrument, and then who is to play the instrument. Verse 9, the trumpet was to be sounded also when people went to war. To mark holy days, the beginning of each month. And here's the big one. If you're taking notes, this is the big one. And to accompany the sacrifices and offerings of the tabernacle. That's the big one. To accompany the sacrifices and the offerings of the tabernacle. Verse 10 of chapter 10. Also in the day of your gladness and in the and in your appointed feast and on the first day of your months you shall blow the trumpets over... Listen, blow the trumpets... And if you can visually see this, blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings. If you can imagine in your mind's eye, a trumpet, here's the sacrifice. The trumpet is to be blown over the sacrifice. And over the sacrifices of your peace offering. Here's what their purpose is. Here it is. As a reminder, to be a reminder of you before, for you before your God. And God says, I am the Lord. I, I am the one, he says. I am the one who is telling you how to worship me. The instrument is particular. The persons who are to play the instruments are particular. And the use of the instrument is also particular. Very early on in this institutional uh, church, but we can see that musical instruments, here's their purpose, that they were to accompany ceremonial elements of worship. Solemn days. But more specifically, burnt offerings, sacrifices, and peace offerings. It's important to note that when these instruments are being played, there is no commandment for congregational singing to take place. It's blow the instrument. The the, the trumpets are not being blown and the people are singing along with the trumpets while the sacrifice is being offered. Not the case. Consider this. The trumpet is being, again, blown over the burnt sacrifices, the offerings. Brothers and sisters, how loud is a trumpet? Uh, when we think of trumpets, we must, we must not think of our modern Miles Davis, uh, Dizzy Gillespie kind of trumpets. We must think of something that is more like a horn. It is fashioned in the shape of a trumpet, but it is a, a blast of a sound. Scott plays a very large tuba. It is a blast of a sound. The blast of this sound is to be blasted over the priest of the stand, over this sacrifice, and blow this trumpet in the presence of the congregation. Visually, can you imagine that? Uh, the, the, the trumpet player is not playing smooth jazz. It's not that elevator music. It is a call to awake. It's like the, the bugle played in the army when they play revale. It's, it's, it's a wake up trumpet. And it's played over burnt sacrifices. To do what? To alert, to draw attention to the people that this sacrifice is what they need. It is to blow the trumpet and have the people of God see the sacrifice offered and have them look intentionally at the burnt offering, the blood, the smell, the smoke, which we'll get to in a moment, so that they may know this people is what you need for your sin. You need a sacrifice to stand in your place. The blood of bulls and goats cannot save you. We need one who will save us once and for all. That was the purpose of the instrument in the days of Moses. Now, someone will say, okay, okay. Now, what about in the days of David? I'm glad you asked. G.I. Williamson says, True and acceptable worship was long rendered to the Lord without the use of any musical instrument. We have no proof that there was, that they, that they were used instruments 
even under until the time of David as part of congregational worship. And even where there may be an element of uncertainty, it is true that nothing was introduced into the worship of God except the express command of God. So, we're going to David. We've gone from Adam to Jacob, Moses now to David. The first instance of instrumental, instru, instrumental music prescribed for, by God for ordinary public worship was not given to us until David. And God gives it to the people of God. Old covenant worship became more elaborate at this period. God brought His people into the promised land. He had given them rest from their enemies. He began to establish His place, dwelling place in Zion. And with that, the expansion of ceremonial worship, which was first instituted in Moses. Bruce Walkey says... And, and I never considered David to be like this until I saw this quote. David transformed mosaic liturgy into an opera. David was Israel's Mozart. A consummate genius. I never thought about that. In First Chronicles then, we read of David using instruments to welcome back the Ark of the Covenant when it was captured. Now, now, let me follow me, okay? The instruments were used in celebration of the return of the ark, but not congregational singing. Yes, there was dancing. David is dancing before the ark. That doesn't mean we get to dance in our congregational worship. David was celebrating a victory, not prescribing congregational worship. Parts of the celebration would later become permanent parts of, listen to this word, this is very important, temple worship. Because there is a difference between temple worship and synagogue worship. But only those parts that God had prescribed for His people in worship. 1 Chronicles chapter 23, we're building up to 29. 1 Chronicles 23 through 25, we find no record of David's inspired ordering of the maintenance of worship as being a part of temple worship. Meaning, the instruments that David prescribed that were given to him by God were not used in congregational temple worship. It was the commandment of God. The instruments were given to David. You remember from from 2 Chronicles, Hezekiah says, from the prophets who spoke to David about what God commanded for the people. The instruments were instituted by God. David would be the one through whom God would use to order the playing of the instruments and the singing of the psalms. God says, here's the instruments I want to use. David says, thank you God. And then David begins to orchestrate it. David begins to tell the leers when they are to sing. Tell the trumpets when they are to sing. Tell the singers even when they are to sing, which we'll get to in a moment. The Levites, as we move on in David's time, they are the the priesthood. They were assigned to temple worship in song. There were over 4,000 of them. 4,000 of the Levites who were set aside and they would be the singers. 4,000 of them. This would be temple worship. The Levites were also the musicians. They would be the ones who were appointed to prophesy with harps, psalteries, which is a, a, a um, another instrument, and cymbals, crashing. Uh, Second Chronicles 5 says that they were to be arrayed in white linen, having cymbals, psalteries, and harps, and they would stand east of the altar. And among these 4,000 singers, there was 120 priests who would be the trumpet players. Specific use of the temple worship that began with Moses was carried on and elaborated through David. Now, when we go to Second Chronicles chapter 29, the, the chapter and verse that we, that we read this morning, we read that the trumpets and the instruments and the singing ordained by God was ordered by David. People would sing. 
But when would they sing? At what time were they singing? Let's go back to uh, chapter 29. Let's read it together again. Verse 25. He, that is Hezekiah, then stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals, with harps, with lyres, according to the command of David, listen to this, and of Gad the king's seer, which is a prophet, and Nathan the prophet. For the command was from the Lord through his prophets. God gave his command. Then Hezekiah gave the order to do what? To offer the burnt offering on the altar. Listen to this, now that you have this background. When the burnt offering began, the song began. The song also began. With what? The trumpets accompanied by the instruments of David, king of Israel. While the whole assembly worshipped, the singers also sang and the trumpets sounded. All this continued until the burnt offering was what? Finished. That finished should be a huge, for those of you who know the New Testament, until the burnt offering was finished. Once again, instrumentation is being used, but it's being used for a specific moment in temple worship. It is being used as the offering is being given, as the sacrifice is being burned. The instruments are going. Again, what is the, what's the pomp and circumstance of all of this music? It's to draw attention to the sacrifice. The sacrifice is what is, is, the music is not the highlight of this moment. The music is just emphasizing the, 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 the brevity and the depth of this moment. And it is the sacrifice of God is being offered for the people of God. G.I. Williamson says, Since the scripture expressly states that musical instruments sounded until, listen, the burnt offering was finished. What's the, what, what are the people of God, what are they doing after that? Are, are they going to sing? Yeah, the, the, most likely they would sing. What would their singing be? A cappella. A cappella is an Italian word that means... In the tradition of the church. In the tradition or in the manner of the church. The way the church sings. We see those uh, those old 50s and, and 60s guys standing under streetlights and they're singing. And, and, and we love the way that they're harmonizing because they're singing a cappella. They're singing the way the church sings. Singing the way the church is always sung in the new covenant. Think about this: you have these thousands of Levitical priests. They're offering a chorus that thunders in song, and then Hezekiah, but first David would motion for the brass singers, would motion for the orchestra. Can you imagine the, the, the moment of song and music as this is all going forward? It's, it had to be an overwhelming moment, but don't lose sight of what it was meant to highlight. Now here it is. The bloody sacrifice. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks for um, wikipedia me or whatever while I'm preaching. Don't do that ever again, please. <laughs> The bloody sacrifice offered is consumed at the altar. The smell. The smoke rising to the heavens. The harps, the trumpets, the crashing cymbals, if you can imagine. It was an altogether dramatic scene. That it was a shadow of things to come. Hebrews 9 says, until Reformation comes. And what is Reformation? It is that bloody sacrifice being fulfilled in the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
All of that was to point to him. But it was a part of ceremony. Ceremony that has been fulfilled. Ceremony that was temporary. Because all of the ceremonies of the Old Testament were type and shadow that were to be fulfilled in the New Testament. And they were in Christ. The animal sacrifices pointed forward to the Lamb of God who was offered as a propitiation for our sins to all those who were predestined to believe. Again, the function of the Old Testament was to be our teacher, to point us to Christ, to draw our attention, which is so often diverted, isn't it? When the drums play, right? We get so distracted. Listen, I, I've been in it. We get so distracted by all of these things that we miss the main thing. That all of that was supposed to point us to Christ. And Christ has come. Therefore, all of that is no longer needed. There's no veil between you and God anymore. There are no more distractions between you and God. We trust in Christ who has taken away the sin of the world. And everything associated with animal sacrifice has ended. The old covenant ceremonial system is abrogated in Christ. We would then conclude that every part of the ceremonial system, including altars, animal sacrifices, Levitical officers, the temple, the dietary law, the incense, the instrumental music even, were all fulfilled in Christ. Now, since we most often, me included, I'm guilty, say whenever we want to make a case for instruments, we go to the Old Testament. That's been demolished, I hope. So then let's go to the New Testament. What, if any, record of New Testament instruments do we have? This will be much, much shorter, so take part. Hebrews 10. Let's go there. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. Verse 4 through 9. <clears throat> for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you shall not you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book, it is written, to do your will, O God. After saying above sacrifices and offerings and the whole burnt offering and sacrifices for sin you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first to establish the second. Having considered instruments, the use of instruments in the Old Testament and their ceremonial connection that is fulfilled in Christ, we turn to the New Testament. In order to see that the new covenant people of God, uh, and see what the new covenant people of God must do in reference to instruments. Here we go. In the New Testament, we find no command, this is why the sec- this second point will be shorter, no command or example of musical instrumentation in the worship of the new covenant church. Not one. In the New Testament, we often find mention of spiritual gifts being used for the good of the church, hospitality, encouragement, so on and so forth. Never once is the gift of being able to play or sing involved in those spiritual gifts that are used for the good of the church. Not once someone is a drummer, someone is a guitar player, and I want to go somewhere where I can use my gift. According to who? I want to go to a church where I can play drums if they need a drummer. Uh, Based on whose command? I need to go somewhere where my gift will be used. Do you have the gift of hospitality? That's what you're called to use. Uh, Can you be an encouragement to, to another brother or sister? That is the gift that you are to use. So, the church did not lose Luther Vandross to the world. The church did not lose all of the other spectacular, wonderful singers who 
went set Al Green and then who came back. We did not lose them. Because there is not one voice that stands out in congregational singing. We are one voice who sing and offer our voices to God. We are to offer to God psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So I say, why do we only sing psalms? Let me just not do a whole sermon on it. Because they're the most God-glorifying. They're the most scriptural. And if they're not, then we throw them out and we find the better ones. And we're going to eventually start to sing the psalms. You've heard, again, a cappella, which I've been fact-checked, which is good. It's the way in which the church has been singing in the new covenant onward. We are making melody with our voices. The instruments that God now calls us to use is, is what? The fruit of our lips, Hebrews says. When we sing, we, we use the instrument that God has given to us and all of us as we are singing together. And let me say to you, I am so encouraged by the way that you sang this morning. Praise God that you all recognize there's something different going on and your volume seemed to increase, which was fantastic and, and encouraging to me. Without accompaniment, but the instruments being our voices making melody to God. The New Testament does not command it, and that means that we don't have the right to insert it. What's the big deal? It's just a guitar. God cares about how we worship Him. God cares about how we worship Him. So, does it really matter? Yes, it matters. If it doesn't matter, and we can just insert things willy-nilly, then nothing of what we do matters. If we are going to capitulate in one, or acquiesce in one, then we need to acquiesce in it all. If it's okay to use instruments, then it's okay to dance. If it's okay to dance, then it's okay to run. If it's okay to run, then it's okay to bring whistles. There is no stopping to what then is okay. What was the purpose of the instrument? That's what we have to get to the the heart of. It was for animal sacrifice. They could not take away sin, but they pointed to one who could. Christ takes away the one to establish the other, Hebrews says. When we use instruments, and we do so ignorantly, then we also do so irresponsibly. Because we should ask, and I apologize, because I was ignorant for a very long time, what does God require of us in worship? And what does He not require of us in worship? Are instruments evil? No. As I said, Isaac is a wonderful drummer. I enjoy hearing him play. My dad was an amazing drummer. I felt a treat whenever I got a chance to hear him play. Some of you play musical instruments. I know Brother Dustin plays guitar and the piano wonderfully. My wife does as well. I, I know five chords. I play them over and over again. Nothing simple about instruments until they make it into the church where they are not to be used. To use Old Testament and old ordinances as a case for why we can still use instruments is problematic. Because they had a specific reason. We must ask, what has God required? Is it for the new covenant people of God? What does Christ say in Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, John chapter 19 and verse 15? When he is offering himself up as a sacrifice, it is finished. When do the instruments stop? Hezekiah in Second Chronicles notes, when the sacrifice was finished. What did the people of God do after? They sang. With instruments? No. They sang a cappella. We have a true high priest 
who commands us how to worship. And there is nothing obscuring you now from worship to God. Now, I've made a big point about temple worship and synagogue worship. When Christ would go to different synagogues, the worship offered there was different than the worship that was offered in the temple. Because in temple worship, they followed the prescription of the Old Testament. The sacrifice, the priests, so on and so forth. But when Christ would go to these different synagogues, the instruments were not offered in those synagogues. No scholars dispute this. Instead, they worshipped in song a cappella. In the various synagogues, because not everyone lived in the, in the hall of Jerusalem, in the various synagogues on the outer rims, if you will, for those who could not come to Jerusalem for temple worship, they would worship in song a cappella. No instruments were offered. Because temple worship is different than synagogue worship. And we no longer have a temple. We are now the temple of God. And God has prescribed for His people when they gather and make a holy temple being living stones that we offer to Him our lips, the fruit of our lips as a sacrifice of praise. Instruments must be reinstated if they're going to be used in the New Testament. Specifically, Samuel Rutherford says, Whatever is beside the word of God is against the word of God. Not to command is to forbid. If God didn't say it, then we aren't allowed to do it. You've noticed, and you'll notice today, that after we take the Lord's Supper, or as we're taking the Lord's Supper, we're not having a song playing any longer. Well, why not? I hope that you've seen that there's, a, there's, a, there's an intensity now when we are walking to the table. Beautiful table too, by the way, Javier. That, that when we are coming to the table to fellowship with Christ, there's a more intense intensity to what we are about to do. We walk back and we are holding the body and we are holding the blood. And then after it is all done, we then sing the glory of Pachi. Why are we doing that? Because we read that after the Lord instituted the supper, Him and His disciples ate. And Mark 14, 26 says, After they ate, they sang a hymn. After they ate, they sang a hymn. The Lord and His disciples did not say, Hey, uh, Peter, pass me that guitar. Oh, great, let me get my, my bongos. Instead, they sang a hymn of praise to God together after the supper. Paul commands in Ephesians 5, Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart. To the Lord, the instruments that are used are the lips of the saints who pluck the strings of their heart to sing songs to God. Colossians 3.16 Let the word of Christ, here's what it all bound, uh, is bounded or, or founded upon, richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your heart to God. No, no command of instruments. Instead, Make melody from your heart that is grounded upon the Word of Christ that richly dwells within you. The more the Word of Christ richly dwells in you, the greater the melody. The more sweeter the melody. Hebrews 13.15 commands that we offer a sacrifice of praise to God, the fruit of our lips. The instrument that we use is our mouth. We are not called to take up harps, lyres, and for sure not drums. The external instruments of harps are moved inwardly by God. Everything that stands between you and God is removed now. No veil. Your heart is singing out what God has done. In the church, we've set up a new office, haven't we? One that has not been set up by God. The worship leader and the worship team. What is it? It is ignorantly trying to reinstate the Levitical priesthood. Only the priest sang. Only the, pre the priest played. Unless you're a professional, you can't sing and you can't play. There are no more veils between us and God. And there are no more offices that God has instituted except 
elders and deacons. No one mediates our worship. So many churches, again, think they can't have a church without a worship team. And Paul mentions nothing about that in 1 Corinthians. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians, in Paul's letters, Paul speaks disparagingly about instruments. Negatively. Clanging gongs. Crashing cymbals. Speaking about it as people who talk about love but aren't loving. You're just a clanging gong, crashing cymbal. It doesn't sound good. In Revelation, there are instruments. Gotcha! What is Revelation, though, but a book of symbols? And we have learned, haven't we? And we will get back to it. That if we're going to read Revelation, we must read it symbolically, not literally. Because it is meaning to communicate something to us that has been communicated throughout the Scriptures. The joy of seeing animals slain for sin has moved inwardly. Paul rebuked the Galatians. Don't go back to that. Don't go back to that way. It's been pleaded and fulfilled in Christ. Lastly, a brief but, gosh, shocking, overwhelming um, historical sub- survey of acapella singing. It's not only important that we observe what the scriptures say, but we also should observe what the church has done throughout the new covenant age that is in, in our time. We don't base our practice on our experience, our tradition, or our preference, but on God's word. And then we can move to the church fathers. Everyone, I was surprised, Anthony. Everyone from Augustine to Chrysostom to, uh, to uh, Athanasius, all of them speak against instruments. Clement of Alexandria. Let every breath, this is in the 2nd century, every breath praise the Lord because He cares for every breathing thing that He has made. For man is truly a pacific instrument. While other instruments, if you investigate, you will, be, you will find to be like war, inflame. Instruments, He says, they have the ability to inflame war. You think of the drum, boom, getting ready for, for, for war. To inflame lust. Or kindling up our amours, loves, or rousing wrath. Instruments have the ability to do that. Some of you have songs, this is my workout music. Why? Because it does something to me when I start to pump iron, right? <laughs> Some of you, you have your cruising music. My wife and I have a playlist when we're driving down uh, PCH. We, we, we love to listen to certain kind of music. Because it does something emotionally for us. Alexandra says, Alex, uh, Clement of Alexandria says the same thing. There is one instrument in the word of a, in the word alone by which we honor God and we employ no longer the ancient psalter, no longer the trumpet, or the timbrel, or the flute, but our lips. Justin Martyr, the use of singing with instrument instrumental music was not received in the Christian churches as it was among the Jews in their infant state, but only the use of plain singing. He says, plain singing is not childish, but only singing with lifeless organs, dancing and cymbals. That's childish. You want to know what's childish? Singing with organs and and dancing. That's childish. Singing with our lips. Well, that takes great maturity. We all were saying, oh, wait a minute. I'm not dependent upon them to sing for me today. Uh, who's going to me, me? Who's going to do the notes? And I messed up on the last one. Who's going to do it? Okay, now we're we're going. It takes great maturity, but then also to sing aloud those truths of God. Origin. Oh, I said this one to Isaiah. The lyre is the active soul being moved by the commandments of God. The heart is the pure mind being moved by the spiritual by spiritual knowledge. The musical instruments of the old covenant understood spiritually are acceptable to us or applicable to us. The lyre speaking figuratively is the body, the heart, the spirit. These are in tune for the wise man who employs the members of the body and powers of the soul as strings. He who makes melody with the mind makes melody well, speaking songs and singing in his heart to God. Augustine commenting on the instruments of Psalm 150 because we read that in the beginning. You, God's saints, are trumpets. You are sultry. You are trumpet, harp, lyre, timbrel, choir, strings, and organ. 
symbols of jubilation sounding well because of sounding harmony. All of these are you. Let not which is vi- that which is vile, not that which is transitory, speaking of the temple system, not that which is ludicrous be thought of here. It's ludicrous, he says, to bring these instruments in. They passed away. Just a few more and we'll close. Church council, council stopped the same. The church of Laodicea, or the council of Laodicea in the 4th century, forbade instruments in worship. The council of Carthage in the 5th century stated, On the Lord's day, let all instruments of music be silenced. As late as the 13th century with Thomas Aquinas, in his sewer wrote concerning Psalm 32, But the church does not make use of musical instruments, such as harps and psalteries and the divine praises, for fear of seeming to imitate the Jews. Aquinas had a concern that we might become like the Judaizers if we went back to instruments. It wasn't until the 14th century that Rome, good old Rome, decided to add organs to her worship and allowed instruments in to drown in the voices of the people of God. The reformers, praise be to God, resisted instruments in worship. Consider the diversity of the churchmen. John Calvin on Psalm 71 said, Sing the praises of God upon the harp, to, to sing the praises of God upon the harp and psaltery, unquestionably form a part of the training of the law and of the service of God under the dispensation of shadows and figures, but they are not to be used in public worship any longer. L- let me just get to give you last, one last one. I think you're getting the point. Spurgeon, rejected instruments, commenting on Psalm 42, said, What a degradation to supplant the intelligent song of the whole congregation by theatrical prettiness of a quartet. The fine niceties of a choir or the blowing off from inanimate bellows and pipes. Listen to this. As only Spurgeon can say, we might as well pray by machinery and praise it. And, and praise by it. If instruments are going to praise in our place, then let's just let instruments pray in our place too. The Methodist John Wesley not reformed. Arminian said, I have no problems with instruments in the church as long as they're not heard or seen. <laughs> he called for congregational singing without assistance. When did they come in then with people who are so-called revivalists like John, or sorry, Charles Spinney? And what was the purpose of the instrument? Charles Finney would, would have the instruments being played when he would call people to... Uh, it was the, the repentance bench. It was the bench of sorrow. Come to the bench, he would have them as, a, as an altar call, as it were. Play the song. And it would move the emotions of the people. It eventually became something that was incorporated not only in the calling, but also in the singing. I said a few weeks ago, I know what an A minor does when I play it. I know what the minor chords do. They're deep. I know what the, the, um, the regular chords, the G, C's, and D's do. They're, they're lighter. They're brighter. They have an ability to have an effect on your emotion. I, I promise you. I could come up with a, a beautiful um, Taylor guitar right now. And if I were to slowly play a, a, an A minor chord, you would all feel something. It's what they're intended to do. Is there any trump is there any instruments being used today? Let me close with this. Yes. Your voice as we sing, it is all the instruments of the Old Testament. Yes, we we are singing to God. And there's also a trumpet that is blasting. And the trumpet is the voice of God's man who preaches his word. Because the trumpet that sounds calls people to look to the sacrifice of Christ and see that it has been offered for all of you who repent of your sin and place your faith in Him alone. So when the preacher preaches, there is still a trumpet being sounded. It is by God's man, whoever stands in God's place to preach His word, I shouldn't say it that way, whoever stands as God's representative preacher, 
to sing, to preach and declare God's word, he is a trumpet blast to all those who have ears to hear and eyes to see that they should turn to Christ and live. That is the purpose of the instruments and the use of the instruments today. You are the instruments. You are the lyre. You are the harp. You are the soldiers. And the preacher is the trumpet. And God is drawing His people. Well, that was my presentation against trumpets or against instruments in the church of God. I pray that you were swayed. And I am happy to have conversation with you if you would like to have more conversation about this issue. But now let's leave this in the hands of God. And let's pray to Him and ask Him to bless us and be with us now as we depart.